Seems like I'm here awful early this morning. It just, I can't get this hour change in mind this morning. Thank you for being here. As Justin said, we have a number of visitors and we're thankful you're here. You are our guest. I hope you'll find the things that I have to say are according to God's will and come from the scriptures. Because at this place, we strive to worship our God as they did in the first century. And we rely on the Bible and the scriptures thereof to teach us how to do that. Riley read for us this morning that we should sing praises unto God because of his mercy, because of his love for us. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and great in mercy. The scriptures, the Old Testament and New Testament, talk to us about the various characteristics that God has. We know God is a just God because it tells us He is. He is a God of truth. He does not lie. He is a God of vengeance, the scriptures teach us. We like not to remember that one, but He is. But He's also a God of mercy and a God of compassion. And if it wasn't for the fact that this was a major characteristic that God has, I don't think we would still exist. Because God would have destroyed us a long time ago. The Psalms, those writing there in the Psalms, had a lot to say about God's mercy. We find that in 118, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. For His mercy endureth forever. Let Israel now say... His mercy endureth forever, ever. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good. For His mercy endureth forever. Oh, give thanks unto the God of gods, for His mercy endureth forever. Oh, give thanks to the Lord of lords, for His mercy endureth forever. The children of Israel knew that they had messed up many times. But God's mercy endured forever. You and I, as in this congregation this morning, we are blessed as children of God, as heirs with Christ in that eternal life, because, oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endureth forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Every morning, it would be good for us to get up and think that God's mercy endureth forever. It allow us to get through the day if we will have a mindset that's like that. In James 2 and 12, it says, So speak ye, and so do, as they shall be judged by the law of liberty. For he shall have judgment without mercy, that has showed no mercy, and mercy rejoiceth against judgment. Now this is the King James Version where it says, Mercy rejoices, or is happy against judgment. The New King James Version says, Mercy triumphs over judgment. How many times when we read in the Old Testament how the children of Israel would go out into the world and start worshiping idols and would move away from God. God would punish them. He is a just God. And He punishes those that do not do His will. But He didn't destroy them. Why? Because when they cried unto the Lord, His mercy endureth forever. Over and over and over we find that situation that mercy triumphs judgment. It is greater than. It is something that the Lord has come to teach us that we need to have mercy ourselves 
and that it is better than judgment. This afternoon, if you come back, I'm, I'm hoping to speak, Lord willing, on the tabernacle. And one of the things it has in the tabernacle is God told Moses that he was to t put various things in the tent, in the tabernacle tent. And in the holies of holies, he was to put the Ark of the Covenant. Now, what did the Ark of the Covenant have in it? It had the do's and don'ts. It had the Ten Commandments. The tablets of stone were in that uh, covenant, and it was don't do this and do this, do this and don't do this. But you know what's interesting? Is he says on top of the, of the Ark of the Covenant, where the do's and don'ts are, he says you shall put the mercy seat upon the Ark of the Testimony in the Most High. God knew that we could not follow exactly the things he wanted us to do. He knew we would fail. But in the Ark of the Covenant and the do's and the don'ts, he put the mercy seat on top of it. For it triumphs judgment. For he is merciful and it endures forever. In Romans 9 and 14 it says, What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? Certainly not. For he said to Moses, I will have mercy on whomsoever I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whomsoever I will have compassion. So then, it is not of him who wills, nor of him who runs, but of God who shows mercy. God told Moses, says, don't worry about it. He said, I will have mercy on whom I'm going to have mercy on, and I'll have compassion on whomsoever I want to have compassion on. That is me. I am God. So it's really not up to man. But it's under God's mercy, his characteristic that he has, that his mercy endureth forever. In Romans 11, let me give a little background to this scripture here. The Apostle Paul there in Romans is writing these brethren. And he's talking about the fact that the children of Israel... When Christ came, in general, for most part, they didn't follow Christ. They rejected him. And for that reason, the door was opened for you and I as Gentiles. And he says there, concerning the gospel, they are enemies, speaking of the children of Israel, for your sake. But concerning the election, they are beloved for the sake of the fathers. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. That means they don't change. When God told Abraham and promised Abraham a great nation, that promise was going to happen. It was irrevocable. Even though the children of Israel, for the most part, rejected Jesus when he came, that promise is irrevocable. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. For as you were once disobedient to God, speaking of, of you and I, yet have not obtained mercy, but yet now have obtained mercy through this disobedience. Even so, these also have not been disobedient, that through the mercy shown you, they also may obtain mercy. For God has committed them all to disobedience, that he might have mercy on all. God's plan sent his son, his children, the Israelites, rejected him he came to the gentiles and because of their disobedience we have an opportunity for salvation and the jews looked at those gentiles in the first century and said because they are coming to christ we need to come to christ and therefore through their disobedience 
Mercy was shown to all men. And then the writer says this. Oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. You think man could come up with that scheme? Thousands of years developing till the time of Christ came at the right time. The idea knowing that the Jewish people reject the Christ. So you and I as Gentiles have an opportunity for that. And then on top of that, because of our obedience, the, the children of Israel also looked and said, we want part of that. Oh, the depths and the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. It was a plan. It was a wonderful plan. No man could have conceived a plan like that. But God, who is rich in mercy, because his, his great love with, with which he loved us, even when we were dead to trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. And raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. This was written almost 2,000 years ago. The ages have now come. You are living in those ages some 2,000 years later. And what does it say? That we, he might show his riches and his grace. To you and I. His plan. Shows mercy. Forever. When Christ came. He was God among us. And being so. It was a characteristic that he had. Now we know that Jesus went out. And he performed many miracles. And did many things. Many of these miracles that he did were not because of compassion and mercy, but were to show the power of, that he had, that he was truly the Son of God. What comes to mind is the raising of Lazarus. He knew Lazarus was going to die, and he waited long enough for Lazarus to die. And then he went there, not as compassion, but to show that he had power over death. And he raised Lazarus from the dead. John the Baptist disciples came to Jesus and said are you the one John sent them to say are you the Christ and he said what have I done go back and report I've healed the sick and the blind and the lame go show him those things that wasn't necessarily out of compassion it was showing his power and who his was but at the same time our Lord had great compassion on the people of his time in Mark 1 and 40 it says, And there came a leper to him, beseeching him, and kneeling down to him, and saying to him, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus, moved with compassion, put forth his hand, and touched him, and saith unto him, I will be thou clean. There are numerous miracles that were performed because people asked of him to do so, and he was moved with compassion. We have others that he healed and didn't even ask for him to heal because he was moved with compassion. He was able to show mercy and compassion as he lived in this world. God expects mercy and compassion from us as followers of Christ. It's important. It needs to be 
one of our characteristics, just as it is for God and just as it is for our Lord. We need to have that characteristic within us. Jesus had this parable in Mark and Matthew, the 18th chapter. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened to a certain king which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him which owed him 10,000 talents. For, but for as much as he had not to pay, the Lord commanded him to be sold and his wife and his children and all that he had and the payment be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience on me and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of the servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. If you study this parable, you will see as Jesus often did, this is a parable of a great exaggeration. You know how much 10,000 talents of gold is? I don't know. It's billions and billions of dollars. It wasn't that I got a payment plan. I'll pay you back 100 a month or 500 a month and we'll get this paid for. No, the debt was not payable. Just as you and I, our debt of sin is not payable if it wasn't for the mercy that endureth forever. We know the account here where the king forgave him of his debt and he went out and he found one of his fellow servants that owed him money. Not near as much, but owed him money. And he wanted payment and he said, have mercy on me and I will pay you in time. And he said no, and he took him through him in prison until he paid. The other servants saw this and were very concerned, and they came back and told the king what had happened. And the king said, Then his lord, after he had called him, said unto him, O thy wicked servant, I forgave thee all of that debt, because thou desirest me. Shouldst not thou also have compassion on the fellow servant, even as I have pity on thee? And his Lord was wrought and delivered him to the tormentors till they should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my servant father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. Now I read that and I said that, that was justified. The king forgave the man much, but he wouldn't forgive others. So the king punished him because of it. What's it going to be like for you and I on the last day and we stand before the Lord? And he says, I've forgiven you much, but you didn't forgive that guy. How come? He did very little to you, but you held a grudge. He did very little to you, but you would not forgive him. I did a lot, and I forgave you, and you owed me much. It needs to be a characteristic of ours that our mercy endureth forever. Another parable that Jesus had that's very familiar to us in Luke, the 10th chapter. And Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise a Levite, when he 
when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. We know the rest of the story. He bandaged him up. He treated his wounds. He put him on his bird, a beast of burden, and he took him into town, and he paid the end two days worth of night staying. He says, I'll pay you again or more if necessary, but take care of him. Now, this was a parable that was given to a discussion with a lawyer, and the lawyer said, well, who is my neighbor? And that's how this got started. So Jesus, when he got through with the parable, said unto the lawyer, which now these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, he that showeth mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, go and do thou likewise. What does the Lord expect of us? He expects us to be merciful. He expects us to have a heart of compassion. He expects us to do what is right and do it willingly. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and come in and have omitted the weighter matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought ye have done and not to leave the other undone. Jesus criticized the scribes and Pharisees in Matthew, the 23rd chapter, over and over and over. They had broken the law down to do absolutely this and that. They broke it down to where they were giving a tenth part of their spices to the Lord. He said, that's good, but you forgot mercy. You forgot faith. You forgot judgment. In the Sermon on the Mount, he said, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. I don't know about you, but I need mercy. You do too. I'm going to end our lesson by talking about Philemon. There's one chapter, one letter, written by the Apostle Paul to Philemon, and he was in Colossae. And to give us an insight to this, Onesipus was a servant of Philemon. And he escaped and he ran away. That's bad. He could be stoned, put to death because of his disobedience. He could be beaten even if he was taken back. But the providence of God brought Onesimus, the runaway slave, to Paul in Rome, who was a prisoner at the time. And Onesimus was converted to Christianity and he helped Paul a lot, evidently. In Philippians, the first chapter, the only chapter, reading there from verse 4, it says, I thank my God, making mention of you always in my prayers, hearing of your love and faith which you have towards the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints, that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. For we have great joy and consolation in your love because the heart of the saints have been refreshed by you, brother. The Apostle Paul praised praised him because of all of the good things he had done as a Christian, Philemon, in Colossae. And in fact, the church met in his house. He was a practicing Christian. He was doing what he thought was the best for the Lord. 
and he was working hard at it, and Paul thanked him for that, praised him for that. But because Onephesus was in Rome, Paul sent Onephesus back and said, you need to go back and make yourself right with your owner. And in Philemon's 14, it says, But without your consent, I wanted to do nothing that your good deed might not be by compulsion, as it were, but voluntary. He told Philemon, he said, I'm, bringing, I'm sending him back. And if you read there earlier in the, in the letter, it says, I could command you to take him back. But I'm not going to do that. I'm going to say, I want you to do it because you want to. Because I don't want to be, it be compulsory, I want it to be voluntary. For perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose, that you might receive him forever. No longer as a slave, but as more than a slave. A beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. He said, maybe Onesimus' running from you and coming and serving me was God's will. And now I'm sending him back to you, and I want you to take him back, not as a slave, but as a brother in Christ. Not as one who owes you something or has run away from you, but one that you gladly take back, that you have compassion for, you forgive. He goes on to say, if then you count me a partner, receive him as you would me. But if he hath wronged you or owes anything, put that in my account. I, Paul, am writing with my own hand. I will repay. Not to mention to you that you owe me even your own self besides. When I read this letter, the Philemon letter, and see what Paul was asking Philemon to do with Onesimus, what was the just thing? Onesimus was a slave. And he had run away. And at best case, he should have been beaten and put back in service. That was the just thing. But Paul said, I don't want you to do that. I want you to take him back because he is one of us now. For us, if we want to count ourselves as partners with Jesus Christ, sons and daughters of God, heir to salvation, if you count yourself a partner, then you need to forgive those who trespass against you. If he wrongs you or owes you anything on my account, and I got a ledger this long of the things Christ has done for me and that I owe. So surely, as the Apostle Paul said, count those things against me and don't hold it against him. And then he finishes, I think, there not to mention to you that you owe me even your own self besides. The Apostle Paul was the one that converted Philemon, evidently. He says, you owe me your spiritual life. What is Christ saying? We owe him for our spiritual life. He is the, the one who has brought us together and brought us in to salvation. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all accept, 
acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. Howbeit for this cause I obtained mercy, that in me first Jesus might show forth all long suffering, for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. The Apostle Paul told Timothy, he said, I am the chief of sinners, and Christ forgave me. I obtained mercy. And he said, one of the reasons I did that is so that Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering. He says, if I can be saved, the Apostle Paul, then you can be saved. If I can receive mercy from God, you can receive mercy from God. It's for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to everlasting life. He forgives us if we do what he asks us to do. Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love as brothers. Be tenderhearted. Be courageous. Not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you might inherit a blessing. You and I as Christians... As followers of Christ, we are called to have the same characteristic of God, the same characteristic of His Son, and that is compassion and mercy. And when we don't show it, we're not showing Christ to others. I hope there's been something of a lesson this morning that will give you thoughts as you go through the week. It is a custom this time we offer a song of invitation. If someone has been subject to the gospel call, that it understands that they need to con confess that Jesus is Lord, repent of their sins, and have them washed away in baptism, the congregation is willing and able to help at this time. Please come as we stand and sing two verses of the song selected.